Happy Monday, guys. How you doing? Happy Monday. Welcome back to the US, Joe. Thank you. Uh, welcome back to New York. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Actually, welcome back now. to New York for yeah, both yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah. You guys <laughs> yeah. both moved into new places recently, so that's pretty dang cool. Yeah. So, congratulations. Living the American dream. Yeah. It was hard to leave San Diego behind, though, as Kevin was saying just a mm. few minutes ago. <laughs> Definitely. Where dreams go to die. The sun is so nice. The weather is perfect. It's... Yeah, it's who wants to go back to work? Who wants to go back to New York after that? Mm. Well, you guys did. So uh, uh, for yeah, some reason, we I don't know what <laughs> yeah. we were thinking. It was a moment of weakness and I got on the plane. I, I don't know. Did you, did you get did you step on the plane? And you're like, I might regret actually stepping on this plane. I certainly regretted it as soon as I got off the plane and like the sky, you know, rain was just coming down. It was like a swimming mm. pool dumped on your head, basically. Oh, it still does that. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah, I yeah. was in New York a few weeks ago and it was, it was, the, I think the sky was just pouring. It was, uh, it was, uh, tropical storm Ophelia, I think was coming through. Um, just glad we actually got out of there. But, um, and then the next week, you had flooding and then i don't know you guys moved to a great place it's super <laughs> so, <laughs> definitely it's like why don't we take this island with like natural drainage and just pave over all of it and then see what happens it, it's a huge it's an experiment that's been going on for a couple hundred years now we're still waiting to decide the outcome <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> Well, speaking of um, stuff, uh, yeah, we all went to some conferences. Uh, you guys went to the DBT Coalesce conference. I was at Jitex Dubai. And I think we just want to talk about you know our experiences there, some things we saw, um, compare notes about conferences in general and conferences specifically. So yeah, I don't know. Should be should be fun. So. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, tell us about Jitex, Joe. Okay, so Jitex is a, it's more of an expo, frankly. I think as far as I could tell, uh, there were over 170,000 attendees at this conference. They claim it's the biggest tech conference in the world. So who's they? Well, the organizers, of course. Um, but, so, <laughs> uh, but I think it's put on by uh, the United Arab Emirates or maybe uh, Dubai or something like that. But they, they really want to put... Uh, the UAE uh, is sort of the, um, you know, the center of the technical universe, right? And so I actually found, it came on my radar, one, because uh, my friend uh, Ben Taylor, Jepson Taylor's going there quite a bit. He's been there like 10 times and raped about how, um, you know, dynamic it was. And then what, it was one of the all-in podcasts, uh, you know, with um, uh, Jason Galcanis and Chamath and David Sachs and all those dorks. Um, they were talking about how awesome uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi were um, from just a pure... Uh, um, business perspective in, in terms of tech, like it seems there's just a lot going on there and going there, I witnessed it for myself. So it was not really an American conference at all. It was very much Africa, Middle East, Europe, Asia. Um, you know, I, um, weren't a lot of Americans there, right? At least as far as I could tell, but it's hard to tell in the, something that's the size of a, you know, a mid-sized metropolitan city in the U S so, uh, but there's just like tens, like, I don't know, thousands of vendors, thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of vendors. Um, so it was just, it was overwhelmingly big, but the big thing, the big theme of the entire conference was AI. That was all anybody was talking about. And so if you can imagine, and it was, it weren't just data vendors either. It was obviously tech vendors. You had, uh, Chinese companies selling, you know, um, you know, various types of wires and cabling and fiber and everything else like that. So everything you could possibly think of, uh, was there, right. And AI seemed to be creeping into the conversations with barely 
with basically anybody you'd be talking to, uh, no matter how uh, far fetched uh, that might seem. <laughs> so, so that was that was fascinating to to see. Um, but it gave what was it like? I don't even know how many panels I was on. I gave a talk there, and um, we should talk more about it in a bit. But yeah, so that's Jitex. So so basically, in in the Middle East, it's Saudi Arabia and the UAE are kind of vying for the the spot in terms of like who's going to be the the top dog um, in terms of you know kind of the, the future of the Middle East, right? And so I'd heard that Riyadh they're supposed to be doing like a, even a bigger conference there, and then. Jitex Morocco, um, Jitex Africa, I guess it's called. They held in Morocco, but that they're—I think they're saying they want three hundred thousand people there next year. Oh wow, that's insane! Yeah, that's huge. Because obviously, a bigger crowd means it's a better conference, and so. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you beat Coalesce by a few hundred thousand people or something like that. <laughs> it was big. It was—I would say it's almost too big. Um, I mean, to get from one end of the conference to the other, maybe it takes you like an hour. Um, so it's wow. it's just different. I don't know. Anyway, wow. We can talk more about that in a bit. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys were, uh, I guess, in a, in a um, another sunny area. I'd argue probably a much uh, more fun place. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't wasn't quite as hot in San Diego. I, what was the temperature, Joe? It was like in the one tens or something like that in Dubai. It's like high, yeah, like a hundred. I would say. Okay. Okay. My watch was saying, but yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, what were your what were your impressions, Kevin? I mean, besides the amazing weather that makes us all want to quit our jobs and retire. Well, yeah, the kind of weather that makes you not ask about the weather. You know what I mean? I don't even know what temperature it was because you don't bother to check it. But my impressions, and we talked about this a little bit before, was you now I was coming in come off of last year's coalesce in New Orleans, and a lot of the conversation was around. Now, is this the last hurrah before the fall of Rome? Oh, uh, it's one of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was one of those. Being like, you know, like we see the boot and it may be falling. But my impression was that, you know, maybe Rome has fallen. Maybe the spotlight has shifted away from data. Uh, but it was still great, from my opinion. Like, really practitioner centric uh and the vibe was very high everyone that i was talking to was you know yes there's you know, more skepticism i think rightful consideration about the modern data stack i know we don't say that anymore but i'll just say the say the word it was five bucks now oh yeah sure <laughs> it was a swear jar yeah yeah virtual swear jar i'm just joking oh, no. fine um okay I'll, I'll venmo um but it, it felt like Equal, if not more exciting since uh, last year's conference. Yeah, Matt, what was your high-level vibe check? Yeah, very, very much the same. Um, what I would say is that the, the excitement has shifted just towards what are you actually doing in your job versus here's the latest and greatest thing. I mm. think maybe a few years ago, Coalesce felt kind of like an investor conference almost. Like, yeah, there were lots of practitioners there, but it was all about like, what company am I with and what was the last round they raised? And what is their valuation gonna be next year? And hey, get on board with the latest, hottest startups that you're gonna use in your job because we're all modern now, you know, it's the modern data stack. Whereas now people were just there because they wanna get better at their jobs. It's like, mm. there's a sense of technical maturity but also a sense of like really improving on top of the stack that we've adopted. That's that was kind of my vibe. So is that the fall? It was of remarkable. 
<laughs> this might be the corporatization of Rome or something. Like we're in the post startup era. I mean, because it would seem yeah. like this is a good thing where people are actually yeah. getting value out of the jobs that they're supposed to be doing versus, uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're uh, carpet bombing the uh, the startup world with a bunch of money so you can start a bunch of tooling companies, right? I would say the the, the latter is where we're going to start seeing the effectiveness of, of everything that, um, you know, has been building up over the last few years. But uh, uh, I guess it depends who is Rome you're talking about. <laughs> so. Um, are we Byzantine Empire now? Hard to say. It's uh, th there is a remarkable lack of you know. In contrast, I think to your experience at Jitex, Joe, like AI didn't come up. Oh, interesting. In the keynotes, I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. But I was trying to catch uh, Tristan's keynote on on YouTube um, this this morning at three in the morning when I was awake with jet lag, and then I fell asleep. No offense, Tristan. Uh, <laughs> it's not you; it's me. Um, he's actually going to be on the show in a, in a bit. So, um, but but yeah, I mean, it was interesting because it definitely felt like you know DBT's uh, trying to tackle the complexity issue, uh, and I think that's rightfully a, a good theme for them to be addressing. Um, you know, it's it seems to be one of the common um, refrains of the modern data stack in general is just the the, the complexity sprawl and. And so I think any efforts to start working with that is, you know, I think very um, meritable. So, but. yeah, that seems to be a lot of the, um, if you caught the keynote, Matt, like the, I had like four, like top line announcement takeaways. One was DBT mesh trying to yes. support like a more decentralized uh, data architecture. That could, you know, potentially be summarized as a cross uh, project refs, but those small technical improvements, small ensures a big effort behind the hood, like they really do add up to making it feel much better as you go to a large company. Yeah, and I, I mean, if you think about how DBT grew organically, it grew out of a consulting company. It was kind of internal tooling that they use with clients. And initially it felt like a tool that you used solo, right? Like I'm an analyst, I'm gonna start building these models so I can process data. Now I'm an analytics engineer because actually I'm doing a lot of stuff that ETL developers used to do a few years ago. And so collaboration tools are just part of that maturation process, a recognition that I really shouldn't be solo anymore, that I should be working as part of a team and that I should be working with other yep. engineers to get things done. For sure, both downstream uh, and upstream, right? With like, mm -hmm. you know, you have the DBT mesh going a little bit downstream to different domains, uh, plus the semantic layer, which is very interesting. We should definitely talk about, but also data, yeah. uh, data contracts, model contracts. I model think contracts, yeah, is what they call it. Of like, before your job run, before the model is built, can't like does like your new model spec meet like okay you have this many columns these are the names these are the types and that's upstream so it's fascinating to see dbt kind of like push up on both sides against the i mean the realities of orgs that are more complex than you know the original mm -hmm. uh, customer personas well it's interesting i mean because because you know tristan's um talk started about how they get a lot of inspiration from software engineering, which was DBT. I mean, if you kind of look at what DBT was when it started out, it reminded me a lot of basically uh, an ORM, whether you call it Rails or, or Django or something like that. Like, I mean, when I saw it, I was like, that's literally <laughs> the same thing you would do when, if you're doing Jinja template bidding with a Flask app or a, 
you know, templating in any other language, right? And so, I mean, but they took a lot of inspiration from that. And I think that that was, you know, the, the big win. Um, Looker did that incidentally too with LookML. When I first saw that, it was like, that's literally a ORM wrapper. Like, <laughs> it's like, that's all that is. Um, but going forward, right? It, it, what's interesting is like when you talk about data contracts in, in, in their respect too, because you're not talking about streaming data, you're talking about batch. I mean, that's basically the same as a schema migration check, right? So if you're doing a schema.rb file in, in Rails, it's like the same thing. You're just like making sure like you're not going to blow your shit up if you, um, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you had these columns in, right? So that's, I mean, but again, inspiration from software engineering, I would say that those are these the practices are tried and true. And it's, it's good to see this finally entering the, the realm of quote data. Um, so, you know. And, and Joe, do you think we're getting closer to like having better data modeling practices in the modern data stack? What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> okay, I, I'll take that as a no. <laughs> After my book comes out, yeah. Um, okay. Until it comes out, we're hopeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no hope. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, well, no, I mean, you know, uh, you know, now the self-deprecation aside, I think that the, at least the discussions there right now. Right. I mean, the discussions I'm seeing on, you know, threads, Twitter, LinkedIn and conversations they're having with, you know, I mean, I talk to everybody, so it's it's not like I don't know what's going on. The conversations are there with data modeling now. And I think it's, you know, um, um, you know, it's it's so I, I sort of think we're going through like the five stages of grieving with, with data modeling. And now we're at the acceptance stage uh, stage. So um, it's, uh, you know, so I think we can finally get down to business. But for the longest time, it's like, oh, this this ain't happening. And then you kind of bargain with it. It's like, well, I'll keep my one big table if I can you know, just have a few more years on, on my life. And it's like, well. Now nah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go back to data modeling. So it's it's, it's where we are now. And I think as an industry, we're just it all goes in pendulums, though, right? We took it seriously, then we uh, got hooked on drugs and had bad decisions, and here we are again, you know. And so. like grief, uh, it all like time is the only ingredient, and it never goes away. Not to you know you know start a Monday morning chat. <laughs> Like that, it's but fun, it's, money morning eulogy. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> pouring out for schemaless schema unread. Yeah, but I mean that's that's what I see. So I I think it's it's coming back. I mean the, the discussions I see, and again it might just be my own filter bubbles, but I think my my discussions are broad enough where I do see it. Um, um, you know, being discussed in circles that I wouldn't otherwise come across. And so, yeah. What what are you guys seeing? I I mean I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, I think ultimately. DBT was a tool that was so convenient and easy to use that led, it led to a lot of bad data practices, right? That's not to disparage the tool. It just made things so accessible. And so now we need to come back and like fix those issues where we're actually mixing in data modeling as an ingredient in the process. And well, I, it's I super think, easy, but you see this in software yeah. engineering. I mean, you, you totally know, the, the notion of a uh, relational modeling that that's yep. been around since 1970 when, you know, yeah, the was going on and. Uh, he had really good music um, back then, and that was forgotten about. I mean, an ORM, for example, I mean, you can throw whatever the hell you want into that thing, right? And that's what happened. So I would say it's, you know, it's almost worse than software engineering, actually, because, uh, um, you know, well, for one, again, you can, you know, when you, when you create an app, like, I guess one or new field, I'm going to make that a, a, you know, a column in my table, then we can sort there. But the downstream effects of this, right, this is where it starts manifesting in, in sort of this duct tape fashion we've been working in in this industry, because guess whose data you typically rely on uh, the app, right? And and so like you keep saying, you can only, it can only get worse from there, it can never get better. Um, so that's, that's just the reality of it. But, um, 
But yeah, and, you know, and the other part of it is just a knowledge gap, right? Where I don't feel like a lot of the the old school uh, things that worked in data modeling. You know, we're talking about Campbell, for example, and whatever else. It's like that that wasn't a thing, and so people just conveniently ignored it. And um, but it's coming back. You know, people are recognizing that. Um, you know, there's 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 merit to the stuff. And even the other day, I saw who is Rob Harmon. Um, you know, he's he's a OG data warehouse guy and he was you know talking about relational modeling and, and, and with respect to analytics and i was like that's absolutely right you should probably think about that because it helps dedupe your data and remove the dependencies and that's just a good thought exercise to do right so i don't know maybe we just don't do, do anything what are your thoughts kevin what, yeah, what kevin, was your impression that regarding- kevin's a smart one in the group here <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, is, I, I, from- i'm not writing the book i'm just reading the book uh the <laughs> and pre-ordering the yeah and what you're saying about like transactional databases and yeah, having wrangled a lot of like Alembic migrations in the Django days, one of the hard parts is that it's so difficult to change the schema in your transactional database, right? Like the like a full-on migration famously takes years in some cases. And I've started to think of the data model as this equilibrium between two different competing forces where on one hand you have like how quickly can you change the data model but also how thoughtfully was it designed up front yep. right founders are notoriously bad at this so sorry for anyone out there but kevin's uh, actually projecting right now um, I, this is you know, <laughs> speaking of grief not a, so you have projecting. like the upfront design but on the opposite side of it you have like what are the actual needs of the business what is the pricing model what is uh like afforded by the tools that you have. And I feel like we should subtract away the pricing and the tooling mm. like pressures because those are kind of artificial, right? All that matters is the needs of the business. And can you build around that? Were these some of the discussion points then at Coalesce? Like, cause you talk about things going back to kind of more practitioner discussions. What were, what were some of the practitioner discussions that you were hearing? Was this a part of that or were there others that were that stood out to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think were you all just eating tacos from a taco truck the entire time? We pretty much. I mean, we doing. Yeah, so. we we didn't actually go to any talks or anything like that. <laughs> now, in a couple of different discussions I had, I think there's definitely a focus on, and this is something we've talked about a lot, Joe, more generally, but just the development of best practices. And so, you know, Hadoop, we kind of tried to reboot the entire data ecosystem and pretend that nothing from the past existed that led into the modern data stack and like all these tools that are cloud accessible that really run on similar principles that are way easier to use at the same time. And now it's like, ah, we need to actually readopt the stuff that we forgot about when Hadoop came out. Like that turns out to be really important. <laughs> yeah, there's um, uh, a lot of the talks that I went to, like, you know, Nicole and Adam at BlueCore talking about you know using DBT and BigQuery to scale up uh, like separate bills per customer because they have tons of different customers and uh, ClickUp too had a great talk about using Hex as a sort of uh, command and control center for their data. So actually, like being able to have a kill switch for long running queries within Hex. That interesting. Uh, when we zoom out a little bit, and same thing with Ramp and Materialize, like Ramp has this cool use case where they have uh, they have risk, 
uh, like detection, uh, fraud detection that they prototyped in Snowflake. And as a credit card company, you can imagine why this is important, but they shifted it over to a real-time use case. So if we really zoom out, it's like you know, Bluecore talking about scaling up one build per customer, a command control center, you, having a real-time use case. It's like, at least for these three talks, how did they you know, patch up the gaps and the limitations uh, of like their more foundational tools, Snowflake, BigQuery, DBT, with other tools and other processes? And I, I think as we like row into this mature era of the modern data stack or whatever we choose to call it, which will probably be something different, it, it, it is again about like how we're actually using the tools. It's not about Snowflake or DBT is going to solve all your problems. It's like, how do I actually build my customers correctly? How do I manage long run, running queries? How do I manage out of control costs? So hopefully this is, topics. Yeah. They, they are all very important <laughs> topics. Yeah. And it's very refreshing to get to this point, honestly. Yeah. And notably it, not about AI. It, not about AI. Yeah. It's funny that I, I think that's true. I mean, did we hear anything about AI at this conference? Is, is uh, Metaplane going to come out with a new AI tool next week? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did see, sorry if this, you know, spoils anything for the DBT team, okay. but a friend showed me a uh, a photo that they took, like someone from DBT was presenting, and there's a little widget on the bottom right-hand side that said, Ask AI. I don't know. I don't know what that is. They didn't explain it, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> At Jitex, AI was all anyone was talking about. Like, it mm. was... So I spoke on the main, main stage, um, and then that was about, what were some of these talks? So they just basically like, as a speaker, they just give you a bunch of topics to talk about and they just, and they find, and they basically just stuff you into like as many talks as you could possibly do. Um, I actually had to tell them like, I don't, I have a, I have, I'm not that kind of guy, you know, um, I have standards. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, don't, uh, you know. Don't, don't put me out like that. So, you know, but it was, it was still a, a lot of, of panels and a lot of talks and fireside chats and stuff. And thankfully Ben Taylor is on two of my fireside chats and, or I guess Jepson Taylor now, sorry, Ben. Um, but you know, he, he and I are like, you know, we're super good friends. And so th those are pretty good, but, but even then, like, you know, my, you know, how I am. I mean, I can be a bit curmudgeon-y with this kind of stuff. I mean, it makes it come from an ML background and I've always been very, uh, I've just seen, I've seen these hype cycles before. This one seems eerily reminiscent of the others uh, where there's, you know, a, a ton of promise. Uh, and then I, I think it really comes down to delivery and execution. And that's where I was just arguing, like, you know, if we're not building the broad, right foundations to make this succeed, I know what's going to happen. I've seen this play out before. Um, you know, and but you, you you contrast this though, right, with all the other talks out there, right, in the panels. And it's like, you know, AI is it's just going to change everything, and you can just magically plug this into your company, and it'll just work. And I was like, I don't know what companies you're plugging this into, but the ones I know of, the ones I I live in reality, right? That's that's the world I live in, and and uh, you know, I, the the last day I was just on this panel, and I I I got a bit snipey with with the panelists because you know they're they're like ah oh, the uh, you know, singularity is coming and it'll, you know, artificial general intelligence will be here in 2030. And I'm like, okay, okay. 
And um, you know how I can be, especially mad. <laughs> it's just <laughs> I definitely do. <laughs> you, you you know me when I get that look on my face and I'm yeah, just yeah, staring yeah. off into space, <laughs> where I'm about to say something that Try I, might, not to, I might regret like, later. Yeah, um, that that happened. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, so I I just had to kind of I, I I don't know just lay it out there like this. You know this is all great. Uh, most most corporate data sets are absolute hellscapes. So unless AI can like figure out how to solve that problem, I think we're you know, and you can barely do BI on top of this stuff, let alone, you know, large language models and generative AI. I'm like, I don't know what world you live in where you think this is going to be a great idea and it just magically works. Um, the world I live in is where you're going to have to get a lot of things right for this to work. And so that was the theme of a lot of talks. In fact, though, it was funny because uh, a journalist actually wrote about uh, my rants in an article. Um, and they're like, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. They did a really fair job of it, um, but I didn't see anyone else getting written about, for instance. So, um, but it was, I think I just had to take that, um, I guess in, in that case, a very contrarian, but I think real realistic perspective um, with AI, because I just saw so much hand-waving and highfalutin, just, I, I wouldn't say the word nonsense, but I, I will say it. Uh, it just seemed very, uh, it seemed like people had, emotive for saying this stuff like they wanted to sell something to you for example um but it's what's also interesting is in uh you know the middle east now you're seeing these um you know the governments are, are they have whole ai ministries now right so it's something they're taking seriously you know they they, they want to evolve their economies uh, you know probably away from you know petrol and stuff and they're looking at technology and ai as um and as initiatives to um you know to pursue and and more power to them i think that's an awesome thing i you know my my whole thing is i'm i'm probably the most bullish person you'll meet in terms of i think the long-term impacts of ai i'm just also probably the most um you know short-term realistic person you'll meet as well because i know how hard this stuff can be right so that's not mutually exclusive um but it is interesting to see you know Again, every vendor, whether it was, you know, there's a lot of drone vendors there, for example, like just crazy. And that's actually like the cool stuff, right? Like that's where ML actually works is all computer vision and sensors and stuff. Um, you know, I, I, those are the use cases I'm bullish on where it's like anything with unstructured data, like that's, that's dope. Go for it all day. Um, so it was, it was interesting. Robots, a lot of robots there walking around. <laughs> Yeah, without digging in, I, I don't want to go too much into any conflict that's happening in the world right now. There are actually several. And the terrifying thing is to see how drones are used in the field and how this technology is like impacting all kinds of things in terrifying ways. And I'm kind of afraid of, of AI in that respect as well. I'm not expecting the singularity. I'm not expecting it to take over, but I'm just terrified. I don't think you how, need it. <laughs> how hackers and other groups are going to use this stuff against us. That's... Yeah, I, I completely agree with your sentiments there. It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, we do a good enough job without it. So, I mean, um, but yeah, that's that's the reality of it. And so it's it's interesting because there's almost a tale of two worlds we're discussing here. Well, one is like, you know, the the, the data community in the states and. Um, data proper, I say kind of a more modern data stack. Um, you guys five bucks now, but it was um, a couple that with the rest of the world, right? Where there, I mean, there's just what I perceive is there's just so much money, um, you know, it, in the um, you know in the Middle East, for example, at these types of conferences, where you're going to have to have some sort of a you know an angle, right? If you go out there and you don't have an AI story, it's kind of like you know you're like a weird kid alone at the uh, the lunch table at the at high school, um, and that's that's not cool either. So I, mean, I get it. The optics are you have to have an AI story. I'm not stupid. So, well, I am, but 
<laughs> well, we're settled up on the five bucks. I think Matt's gonna leave this with ten bucks, and I. Uh, this I'll is... buy you a drink or something. I don't know, or you can <laughs> buy me a drink. Whatever, wherever we are now, I think we both said it a few times. <laughs> I mean, yeah, ten bucks in New York might not go very far, but uh, no. this isn't a great analogy. But you know, it's making me think of when watching Oppenheimer. Like there is just so much excitement in the Manhattan Project that at some point someone comes in and is like, we have like a single gram of uranium and it's also not purified. So what are, what exactly are we doing here right now? Mm. Um, we're the only, uh, like, what was the general, um, like, let's just say like job title at the conference. Like how at many Gitex? beta people were there? Yeah. Or at Coalesce. Gitex, I don't even know. Cause it was, again, it's a mix of like a lot of tech companies, like pure tech companies, not data. Right. And then you had, you know, your big vendors like Snowflake AWS, Databricks were all there. I think Databricks was there. Snowflake was definitely there. Um, and then some ancillary ones like Vast was there and stuff. And so, but it's hard to tell what the titles were. I think it was a lot of salespeople to be frank. Right. Mm -hmm. and I, so I don't know who the, the, you know, the, the buy side of that equation was, but there was definitely a lot of, um, you can spot salespeople a mile away. They all wear the same suit. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, so as far as I can tell, it was an enterprise um, salespeople, but, but it, it's, it was interesting too. I think um, like a lot of chief data officers, you know, so I was at a, um, did some round tables like Shemak uh, Degani and I did a, a round table, uh, you know, kind of an evening of the conference with a bunch of chief data officers from like Africa, you know, Middle East um, and, and that kind of thing. And that was, that was interesting just hearing the, uh, you know, kind of getting a, an idea of the, the challenges they're facing. And, and lo and behold, the challenges everyone faces, no matter where you are in the world, it's like getting buy-in from the business on stuff, um, winning with data, getting more value from your data and all that stuff. I mean, these are the same, um, you know, arguments, uh, you know, criticisms or I would say problems I hear anywhere I go in the world. And I've been everywhere in the world and talked to probably most people. And it's like, these are the themes. <laughs> it's it nothing changes and so that that's i spend a lot of my time talking to chief data officers of you know uh, very big companies right and and you know uh, ctos of some of the biggest companies on the planet right i mean that's that's what i spend a lot of my time doing and again same problems but s different opportunities though right i would say like you know one of one of the people i talked to um you know cto for um you know one of the largest oil companies in the world and and this person was, you know, doing a lot of interesting stuff uh, with, with, you know, automations and sensors and stuff, right? And, um, you know, and, and electric vehicles and charging stations and all this other stuff. So it was very interesting to get that perspective of, you know, how, how that tech and data is being used in the wild and to solve, a, you know, what, you know, because the oil industry is evolving, right? It's not like we're, <laughs> we got a lot of it left. So um, you know, these companies ain't stupid. They're, they're moving more towards other sources of revenue but it's interesting to see how tech plays a role in that right so but that's that's the makeup of the people at least that i but again 170,000 people plus whoever else is there it's like it's going to be hard to meet everybody <laughs> so but let me ask you this i mean there was a lot of hype were there any announcements that were kind of stand out where they were about ai or some next generation technology but they actually seemed very concrete and very potentially impactful um it was hard to say Right. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm smart enough to figure that out unless I dive into it. Right. Cause I mean, cause it, everyone can talk a big game and I just, I just learned like, I, I, it's always the details. And I, I just, again, I don't think I'm smart enough to know that, or I don't have the access to, to understand what would, was actually working. So, yeah, I don't know. But, um, 
It so, really is like the tale of two worlds. I, I imagine that there's some companies where the CDO and CTO went to Jitex and then like you know, head of analytics engineering went to CoalOS. Mm, very likely. Yeah. I mean, how many people are at CoalOS this year? I heard it was 1900 or so. I don't know okay. for sure. I don't know what the official figure is. Interesting. Right. And there was a, uh, a police chief conference happening right beforehand. And it was interesting to see, you know, people walking around with Oracle on their lanyards. So <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. I'm like, <laughs> Wait, what, what is this conference even? And it yeah, turned out to be a police chief conference and Oracle was there. <laughs> <laughs> huh? All right. <laughs> I don't know exactly what uh, International Association of Chiefs of Police. Yeah, it was happening at exactly the same time. Maybe it started a uh, like a day before, but yeah, let's just say different. That that's the third world that we're talking about. Yeah, very different worlds. Interesting. I know one of them. I know one a chief of police here. Maybe I'll go ask him if you want. So that's that's uh, that's interesting. Let's take some list, uh, audience questions here. Um, I can't somehow streamers not letting me show these on the screen, so I'll just read them out. Um, but uh, let me see here. Um, sorry. Matthew Brandt asks, what is your least favorite part of these in-person conferences? I guess it is the hype sometimes, right? There's definitely, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on. There are very concrete product announcements. There are new companies every time. And a lot of that stuff is very interesting, but you definitely have a hype overlay where you're just like, yeah, that's, that's nonsense. Those claims are nonsense. Give me, <laughs> give me, a, give me a generic example, Matt. Um, I, I would more, let's see. So, so a lot of the AI claims, right? Like I'm very skeptical of, I think people will figure out how to use AI and analytics in a way that actually makes sense, but we're still seeing claims like large language models are going to replace all your analysts and such. If you walk around and talk to enough people on the trade floor amongst vendors, you'll hear those kinds of claims. And yeah, I find that a bit irritating. Yeah. And what, what are your, uh, what are your least favorite parts about in-person conferences, Kevin? You know, this is going to sound like a really cheesy answer. It's like when you ask for someone's weaknesses in hiring, they're like, you know, I work too hard. But I, 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 <laughs> I <laughs> it, but like the big struggle really was like deciding what to do and working mm -hmm. with the FOMO. Like, you know, Tuesday night, there's you know six, maybe <clears throat> six plus independent events going on. All of them sound fun, and you know that you're going to have a great time at each. Same thing is true for all of the talks, like the parallel talk tracks. Yeah. Not not great. Um, would love to go to as many as possible. Which, uh, which, which events or which parties did you end up going to? Well, you know, we threw one the on Monday ones. night. <laughs> yeah, the fun one. You know, we had one on Monday, which was a lot of fun, I think. Uh, spent a lot of time meeting new folks. Shout out to uh, Jared, who works at the Indiana Pacers and sat down for like an hour just learning about what it's like to work on data at a franchise like that. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of conversation I love from these conferences is just like going down to the nitty gritty and really learning about someone else's like world 
I think is the yeah. fun part of working on data is that yes, you can talk about the technical specifics, but when you go up one level, it's like you can learn about a whole different industry. Mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah. I mean, the question was our least favorite part, but I think that's one of my favorite parts about conferences is just talking to people that I normally wouldn't get to talk to and getting to know, you know, kind of what their world's like. Cause I always find that interesting, right? It, it's cause you know, we all operate in our own universes or multiverse, whatever it is, but, um, but there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them out there. And there's a lot of practitioners. And there's always interesting stuff happening, right? And so I think that if you can't get your pulse in that kind of stuff, I mean, it's, it doesn't do you any favors. And I think that's the perfect opportunity. Because unlike virtual conferences, really, right, where it's hard to interact with people, I think, you know, especially the kind of the after conference events, like that's really, I think, what makes it fun. Like I typically, anymore, I show up to conferences without getting a pass. I'm going to do that reinvent next month. I'm going to go to, um, you know, Gable, um, Chad Sanderson's company. They're having a, um, you know, kind of a launch party. Um, I'm going to show up just for that, right? Because Chad's a friend and, you know, want to go support everybody. And it's good to have a, like 20 beers with people that night. So, <laughs> but why not? Right. So. But that's what makes it fun. I mean, you know, we had that, you know, in Vegas, Kevin, in, in June at the Snowflake yeah. Summit. I mean, that, I, I just showed up that night for the uh, giant rooftop happy hour that we were all doing. And that was a blast. I mean, it was like the who's who of the data world uh, was there. Like, everybody was there. Except the ones that were Databricks. But, you know. Yeah, the, uh, like, you and uh, Chris coming in the last minute uh, <laughs> at VIPs. It was, it's so nice to reconnect with people. And I think... Coalesce does a really good job of that, mm-hmm. honestly, is like, I, I know that Matt and I were like two electrons where you go everywhere except for right next to each other, but <laughs> the it, it's just a lot of friendly faces and yeah. met new people too that you only see in a box. Yeah. Like us right now. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, with Coalesce in particular, that really was the refreshing thing. And it was really nice to see people who actually work in data because, Joe, your description maybe two years ago or even one and a half years ago of reInvent was that it was just a bunch of vendors talking to each other. And that's no one's favorite type of conference. But that was right after COVID, too. Right after COVID. reInvent, like this was literally like everyone went back and it was, um, you know, I I walked into the hall and I was like, this is so sad. This is so sad. There's no customers here. You know, all the vendors are just like talking to each other and that that's about it. I'm like, it was, if that would have, but I, I think that's changing though, obviously, right? It I mean, stuff changing. like Summit customers yeah. are coming back and yep. um, reInvent this year. I expect there'll be a lot of customers, um, yeah. you know, and that kind of stuff. And um, there better be, um, I don't know, I don't really care. Actually, I'm not showing up for the, the event. Um, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, an, it's an interesting one, but the... But you said that uh, Coalesce is more like a community event this year, right? It didn't really it feel like really it really felt uh, that way. Yeah. Yeah. It really, I mean, there were lots of great vendors there, but their focus was more on how can I help you to actually accomplish what you're trying to do, which should always be the sales focus. But I feel like over the last couple years, post Snowflake AP, uh, IPO, data hype era, it was all about how you're, they're the greatest thing ever and they're going to change the world, right? And we, we've shifted beyond that. And just talking to people about trying to develop their careers who've now been in it for a couple of years and they're like, okay, where do I go next? How do I get better at this job? 
How do we solve problems with data in our company? How do we get better at sharing data with our customers and with our partners? That was just a lot of fun. And I feel like even the vibe at Snowflake Summit was, a, or sorry, at uh, Databricks uh, Data Plus AI Summit yeah. was a bit less of that practitioner vibe. And just even in the last couple of months, as people traveled more and more for conferences, there is a sense of people just trying to build their careers and get work done. That's interesting. I noticed this at Data Eng Bytes, for example, um, and actually Ducon. That was the other conference I went to. I didn't even talk about that one. Um, okay, so shout out to Nanth Palkodiri and, uh, and Ashwin uh, Chrissy James. Uh, they put up uh, a phenomenal conference uh, in Bangalore, right? So I keynoted that one as well. Um, and that was cool because it was all practitioners, right? Some vendors, but the vendors was like, you know, Vinod, the guy who created Hootie, right? So it's not like he doesn't... <laughs> No tech. Um, you know, so, uh, so it was, it was a great, uh, event and it was just, it was super cool to see. I mean, it was a few hundred data engineers in Bangalore. So Bangalore for everyone out there, it's like, that's, um, the Silicon Valley. I, I would say it's basically the supply chain capital of, of software. If you want software written and you want it done cost effectively, you're going to go to Bangalore. End of story. Um, there, I mean, not tonight, not joke to me that basically there's an old saying that you could throw a rock and you're going to hit a software engineer at the sidewalk. Um, and um, there's just there's so much activity there. I mean, it's an unimaginably huge city. I think it's like 25 million people or something like that. So it's like big. Yeah, but the uh, tech scene there and the data engineering scene there was awesome. Like they they're, they liked you know uh, they're asking where Matt was and it's like well he's he's somewhere else. Sorry, um, you know. But like, the people like our book there, which is pretty cool. But it was just really cool to see. And again, back to the common theme of the like, same types of questions people ask. Right? These people are working at you know, mostly US-based companies, European companies, you know, and, you know, like have an outpost in Bangalore. I would say an outpost, it's like amazing, most of their staff's there. Um, but same types of challenges, right? Uh, you know, my data model sucks. What can I do? Uh, one person asked me this and I was like, I don't know, you, you probably dug yourself into such a hole. You're going to have to like probably build, start over, you know, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you know, he had like, in this case, like one big table, and other big tables on top of this one big table. And I was just like, this, this isn't going to, this isn't going to work. Um, but again, these are the same questions you would get anywhere in the world, right? Like how, you know, how does my data team, you know, succeed at my company and all this kind of stuff. It's, it was no different. And so, but I like these community-based events precisely because you can get interactions with, um, you know, uh, practitioners, right? And I, I think that's my favorite stuff. Like, I don't really care about talking to, you know, I don't really care about getting vendor spiels, I would say. I mean, Kevin's a vendor, but he's also a really good friend, right? And so, um, and uh, but that that's just it. And the, the Data Eng Bytes in Australia was the same way. It's a community event. And again, I I, I like those conversations. You just get to talk to people and really understand what's going on, you know, in a way that you, it would be impossible to do otherwise, right? So that's that's what's rewarding. And again, as you point out, the, the common theme that I'm seeing around the world is like, how can I how can I do better at my job, right? Like how. How can I continue adding more value? And those are the two big questions. And these are the same side, two sides of the same coin. So it's funny to think of what is truly cross-cultural, because like, mm. like our world is big, right? Like even in the US, we're not talking about the uh the, the whole joke of the world being held up on the back of like someone with a gray beard writing COBOL, it's like they're using an Oracle database, right? They're not <laughs> probably not using Snowflake yet. But it's like even yeah, the they're, U.S. They're, they're police chiefs, actually. Um, I'm just okay, <laughs> that's true, though. And it is like, yeah, what's universal? I guess in-law relationship tension and stakeholder management, or I guess both of those are stakeholder management, depending on how you view it. But 
it's, I mean, I haven't traveled for a fraction of the amount of conferences, conferences you've seen. Uh, I think Coalesce did do a good job of managing the ratio of vendors and practitioners. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you're throwing a, a housewarming party, it's like you can't invite that many friends from work. And yeah. the ones that you do invite have to pass the vibe check because otherwise you have like, you know, 20 people in a corner just talking about work. Yeah, that's and then the, Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not fun. But you do want, you know, perhaps it would be better without any work friends. But I feel like the best parties like pull in a whole bunch of people from different parts of life. But mm-hmm. it's tough. It has to be contained. Uh, saying as a vendor too is like, you know, yeah, but you get more street cred precisely because you're not vendoring, right? Like that's I think that's why we we like you a lot is because you're not out there like, you know, putting a link to Metaplaner in every single LinkedIn comment, for example, right? That'd be cheese, but you know, not trying to pitch people on it, and you know, I mean, I think you actually get more credibility the less you say in a lot of ways, right? Because it's just what you do that matters, not like how much you can, you know, like rant about your company and stuff. So. Yeah, I don't, I really don't get it, especially because a lot of vendors, I mean, it's like a whole karmic cycle, right? Yeah. Like if you are working at a startup, you get tons of inbound <clears throat> from like recruiters, uh, for example, or like marketing agencies. And then, you know, startups always complain to each other, oh, we get too much inbound from recruiters. It's like, what do you think you're doing? Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you, like, let's, let's break the chain. Come on, folks. Yeah. And yeah. just be real. Well, you know, I got to say too, like DBT, I think they do a really good job at balancing community. So, I mean, we have the uh, Joe Reese and DBT Roadshow, for example, right? So like, you know, we, we've done this in, in several cities and I think we'll, we'll continue doing it. But it was, um, they've always done a really good job at balancing, I would say, putting the community first. It's 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 supposed to be um, obviously an event where to drive interest in, in the cloud, DBT cloud, but at the same time, they do it in a very tasteful way, right? Like I, I'm not supposed to shill. I don't shill anyway, but it, you know, it's one of those things where I, we can promote a good discussion. Um, you know, I, I think in tasteful ways bring up, you know, their, their offerings, but I, I think they do a really good job at making sure that it, it's not corny. Like, cause I don't do that crap. Like I, if, if it was me like going out there and, you know, basically doing a, um, a monologue, right? Like that's, that's not going to help my brand at all either. Like that's, it's exactly the opposite of what I'm about. So, but I, you know, I work with them precisely because, you know, they, they're very, um, they're very mindful about the community aspect. And that's, that's what I like. And I'll work with a lot of people for that reason. Cause I think a lot of people want to, you know, be overly, um, you know, shilling and stuff. And it's just not, you know, what I do, you can find some other people that do it, but like, that's, just, it's, you know, it's not that kind of guy, but they I think they did a really good job. So what you're saying with the conferences, I think definitely rings true. So it's dope. Um, you know, that DBT did a good job. I, one last thing of like, yeah. I always try and measure a conference or really any event as like, how do you feel coming out of it? Yeah. Right. Like, do you feel like you're a bag of money and people wanted some of what was in that bag? Or do you feel like more energized, more mm. connected with your work and the people that you work with? And coming out of Coalesce, I'd love to uh, hear how you feel, Matt. Like, I'm, I feel fired up, honestly, of like, I'm very lucky to work in an industry with like with you two and a whole bunch of interesting, very kind, like smart, well-intentioned folks. And you can't say that uh, for every industry. Yeah, I mean, it was conferences are exhausting and I definitely felt pretty exhausted after Coalesce, but um, 
really happy to be a part of that community. It also made me want to come back next year and go to other conferences with a similar kind of experience where you're yeah. just really connecting with people and talking together about solving problems. And where even though there's the sense that, you know, every, every startup is kind of competing with every other startup for rounds of funding and other things, everyone's working together at the same time. There's a That's sense cool. of collaboration in spite of the fact that everyone needs to get out there and make a living. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think more than more than ever, actually, all the vendors need each other because the ecosystem, you, you know, you, you just can't have one vendor in a category. That's not how categories work, right? You, you, you build a category by having social proof of, of other companies in a category. And so you, you think everyone more than ever needs each other, right? But it, it's sort of like Hunger Games versus, uh, you know, Woodstock. Um, so or a rainbow gathering or something. But uh, it's 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 it's. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Actually, Mike Nash has a good question. Um, do you find that conferences help creative thoughts and ideas to like workflows, products, businesses, etc.? You're skeptical. <laughs> hmm. For me, it's I, I feel like it's a you, you get what you give sort of situation where uh, I feel like, you know, generalizing a bit that there's a lot more sharing in the software community than there is in the data community, which, you know, to be fair, a lot of the work can be open source and a lot of our work is highly proprietary, right? Uh, but that I've been in a lot of conversations the past week where like, we just get real, you know, mm -hmm. like I work at a startup, you work at a you know similar company and we can just get down to brass tacks and like once you can get down to that brass tack level i think you can learn a lot yeah. on what other people are doing but if you just stay at the surface then i think it's mm -hmm. like much more difficult to really learn what other people are are doing if you're not willing to share yourself yeah let me ask this, is there a way for us to get closer to the best aspects of the more open source software universe, or is that just not going to happen? What does that data? look like to you? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I, I think part of it, one thing I've said before about open source is that when you start to view open source as a component, you're probably going to be more successful in your business than if you just view open source as your business. Here's this one piece of open source and I'm going to sell it to people. That just doesn't seem to work very well anymore. But if you have a component and then you have other pieces that are proprietary because that's what businesses need to do, I think that complementarity can work really well. I tend to agree with this, right? I, I, I think you, you well, from for just from a pure business standpoint, you, your moat sort of disappears if you're if you're just a pure open source play, right? Like what what competitive advantage do you have when you just gave away you're, you know, like the golden goose, so to speak. Right. So I think you should definitely hold a few things close if you wanted to make a business out of it. If you want to make, I, I would say it depends on what you want though. Right. Like you had, um, you had Max Howell on the, the show a bit ago. Right. And he's working on T, um, that XYZ and he's a guy who created homebrew. Right. So I think he's a good example of somebody who wrote the most popular open source package arguably ever and, um, made absolutely zero dollars off of this. Right. That's why he's doing T.XYZ. So open source can, uh, uh, creators can, um, you know, get remunerated for their for their efforts, and so. But to form a company around that, I would say, especially in this day and age, with um, just the turbulence uh, 
I don't know, go for it if you want to, but it, I think it's just a trickier play just because I think we've seen what happens. It, it plays out. And the problem is, you, you know, it's a classic, you are in some ways competing with yourself if your product is, if your open source is that good. Right. And so I think that's, um, you know, one of the challenges that, you know, I don't know quite a few um, open source vendors face. So you have to double down on what's a competitive advantage that you can, that people are going to pay money for. Like Spark is a really good example, I think, of where they got it right. Right. So Databricks, you know, formed uh, as a way of packaging Spark and, and selling that to the masses. But like if you ever tried rolling your own Spark back in the day, that sucked. Um, <laughs> so definitely not fun. And uh, I think a big unspoken theme at the at Coalesce was DBT's features announce, feature announcements around uh, cloud. Yeah. For example, column level lineage, DBT Explorer, being able to deploy to cloud from the CLI where it, they're in that tough situation you mentioned where they're competing against themselves. And the core is awesome. It's awesome. Exactly. Like the, what got them here and they, you know, DBT deserves a lot of credit for building a lot of the trend of software best practices to data. But y'all, th this is an old thing that we've been talking about, but now they're competing against what got them to this point. Mm -hmm. I think that they were going in the right direction in terms of making cloud super compelling though. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And I mean, in the podcast I did with Tristan too, I mean, it's not like he's unaware of the complexity right. of DBT. I mean, he mentioned right. 38,000 models at one company and it's probably companies with bigger uh, you know, model sprawl, but it's like, it, 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 they're well aware of this fact. And that's, that's not a healthy hygienic practice that you want to continue with your customer base. Uh, you know, so I, mean, I, I think it's, so I mean, I was glad when he mentioned it, you know, um, you know, and then uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I think they're making the moves that they, they need to make. It's just, you know, but you had to couple this too with the economy and where it is and with data teams, again, as you're saying, everyone needs to kind of double down. I mean, everyone I think is focused on what they need to do for their jobs because there's a bit of concern of whether you're not going to have one. So, yeah. And you need, I mean, those data teams exist for a reason because they provide value for companies. But if you, at some point you're not providing that value or I, I don't know, not even not increasing your value, you're going to be a target for cuts as they come along. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a tough time, unfortunately, but there it's an opportunity for people to really shine in their jobs too, if they kind of go beyond uh, what the expectations are. Yep. Which is reflected in, I think, uh, this is maybe in one of the LinkedIn comments, I definitely noticed it uh, on the floor is the focus on cost management. And we see this on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. but to see it like manifested in real life, yep. definitely downstream of focusing on ROI. Well, if the R is hard and what everyone is striving for, we also have to focus on the I, which happens yep. to be much more concrete and a bit more manageable. So this, I think, is a new thread from last year, whereas... Yeah. I haven't seen that much new, honestly, at this conference. Like you go around the expo hall, it's the same vendors, right? The ones who kind of survived the existential Darwinian call from last year, but it's the same folks, right? Yep. UBT had the fun thought of putting us all across from our competitors. <laughs> so that was a nice little shakeup. Yeah. You could see people going from one booth to another and they would always go to both. Were there any like observability brawls or anything like that? Because like I might be willing to pay for that actually. Yeah, I would do <laughs> that. That and the Elon and Zuckerberg fight. I would. Be, be, 
to watch either hey, one. She, y'all I'll can make it happen. One of them, so it'd be fine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's gonna take us out. Joe is. Yeah. Who do we put up against, Joe? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, well, we'll take bets on that one. Um, but that, that's really interesting. Uh, but I think that, that, that I think it's actually a good thing that they put you all uh, kind of across from each other. Um, you know, it's. You know, I think it's again, it's part of the community totally. thing, right? It's like you know, you y'all need to learn to get along too, and um, for sure. And I think there's uh, there's some merit to, to an approach like that. So, um, Mike Rogoff said, uh, observability probably equals a lot of staring at. He's he's a very literal person. It looks like um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah. staring at each other and trying to call anomalies. Yeah, exactly. Well, it makes for what ultimately matters is like a better experience for you know someone who came to coalesce yeah. for the first time, go through the conference hall, spend, you know, you don't want to spend all of your time there, right? We had great swag on the whole, that definitely leveled up, but you know, you should be going to talks. Like, oh, well, yeah, closing <laughs> out, what was the swag like this year? Because I always, I, at the beginning of the year, I thought we'd be entering the swag apocalypse with the, uh, the cuts. Is, is swag any good? I, I think vendors are figuring out that you want to do things like offer headshots, for example, which mm. uh, Upsolver was doing, or offer really good coffee, espresso, or other coffee drinks. Because when you go to a conference, that's the stuff you remember actually like, oh, I got this really cool headshot, or oh, the food was really good at that conference, which yeah. by the way, it was the whole conference, or I needed some coffee and I found it at this one vendor and I had a conversation with them. Cool. Uh, for the most part, we don't want throwaway t-shirts and such. And I think. like stress balls and, and stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I mean, the amount of like environmental waste I, I imagine at conferences is crazy. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I would say it, for all you vendors out there, like, please be mindful of the, the swag you're producing. It, like, most of the shit gets thrown away. That's the bottom line. And it's like, it's just, it's, it pollutes. It's disgusting. Um, we don't need more yo-yos or any of that crap or pens, right? I mean, just I think what you're talking about experiences. Um, I know it's at Jitex. Like, they had like some, some, some booths of like you know gourmet food with espresso and I'm like, I'll stop there. Cause the vendor hall is like, you will be waiting an hour to get a pizza there. And so it's uh, it's not fun. Um, but yeah, I always, yeah, I think the swags, a, that's an interesting, cause I always kind of use it as an anecdotal barometer of where things are. If the swags over the top, then, you know, things are good. But if you're focusing now on experiences and uh, Ramona says, except for socks, right. And, you know, I actually do like conference socks that they're kind of what I wear a lot. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. I'm, I'm glad people are, are back though. Um, you know, just focusing on the experiences of the booth. I had a you know, I, I remember one time at, at Big Data London, I I went to the wrong booth. I thought it was a different one, and I ended up getting like stuck there for ten minutes while this guy's trying to show me trying to demo, and it was it was a bad demo. Um, he's just clicking around, showing me the whole menu, and I'm like, I don't, I. So finally, I thankfully saw a friend and was like, "Hey, like, I gotta gotta go now." But um, so also vendors don't do that. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's not a timeshare meeting. So it's with the demo and with swag. I mean, and with being vendory with outreach and stuff. It's like, can we at least hit the bar that we like? Can you make some swag if you're gonna go down like you know this environmental waste route? Make some swag that you'd want to wear outside of a gym, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, okay, who doesn't need gym shirts, but you probably don't need a hundred of them. I have so, hundred of them. I, I, I would have bet that you had at least like a couple hundred. My wife uh, kills me. I get new shirts all the time from people. And she's like, what can you just tell people to stop? And I'm like, I, I like shirts. You can't say no to a good shirt. 
No, check out Estuary, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's it, well, it's yeah. We'll we'll see what the next year's conferences are like. Uh, you know, I'm very curious what reinvent's going to be like and the whole vibe there, right? So I think that's uh, that's going to be an interesting barometer. And then, of course, next year, um, early next year, we have day to day taxes, right? And that's that's going to be a fun one. So um, you should show up to that one, Kevin. That one's a good one. It's an awesome. You should. It's, it's very Saturday. very small. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very. There's a lot of camaraderie there. It's, yeah, uh, it's a fun one. Exceptional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. I know we're at time. I know everyone's probably got meetings to get to. Um, and yeah, thanks to the audience here. I, it's fun here seeing everyone back here. We know we took last week off. Um, any anything you guys want to talk about or, or announce? Um, uh, what's coming up next? Uh, next few weeks or months or whatever. Nothing, Kevin. All right. Well, well, not at the it. moment. I'm I'm just happy to not be traveling for okay. a while. How about you, Joe? <laughs> well, next week I'll be in Toronto, uh, giving a talk <laughs> at uh, the uh, DEMA um, conference in Toronto on Friday, and then the next week I'll be in Helsinki, uh, giving a talk there at the Agile da- Agile Data Summit. So that's going to be really really fun. After that, I'll be in San Francisco on the 16th of November, uh, speaking at a uh, meetup with Coactive.ai, uh, really cool guys. And then after that, I'll be at reInvent. And then we'll see what December holds. I may or may not have a lot going on, um, but we'll find out. And then January, day-to-day Texas. And I think we got a bunch of other stuff, Matt. So yeah, anyway, stay tuned. Yeah, um, so. one announcement. I, not. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Go for it, dude. The- it's not for me or Metaplane, but my good friend, Dr. Jory Bulimwini, uh, you know, founder of the Algorithmic Justice League and a Netflix documentary, uh, just is launching her book on unmasking AI. Mm, and okay. she's coming to New York next week. I think you can pre-order it right now. It might actually already be released, but... Uh, Joy does such amazing work on algorithmic bias and relevant to our conversation earlier. Like, yes, data can be used in many you know, harmful ways, but it can also be harmful even when we have good intentions. So I would definitely check out her work. Uh, I'm eagerly awaiting to read it. It's cool. So a little plug yeah, in for our friend. Yeah, shoot me a link. That sounds awesome. I'll, I'll go check that out and read it. Maybe have her on the show. That'd be fun. So oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Be even better. So... <laughs> A friend of Kevin's is a friend of ours, except Mike Rogoff. I'm just kidding. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> what is Mike coming on again? <laughs> yeah, he needs to get on the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, well, yeah, thanks to everybody. Um, good to see you again, Kevin. I always feel like uh, it's um, just uh, you're born of the inner circle. So uh, it's always, um, always fun to chat with you. Um, yeah. Anyway, Likewise. we'll be back next week um, with a uh, who's who's on next week here. Um uh, Yoav Cohen's on the show. He's from uh, Satori. So um, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be calling in from Israel, but uh, we'll, we'll find out soon. I need to figure out the logistics of that, um, given everything that's going on. So um, should be fun. But yeah, got a, after that, who's on next week after that? We got uh, Nadine Farah from One uh, one House. It's going to be dope. So yeah, good good sack of people showing up here. Um, the Joe Reese Show, we have a, uh, is it um Matt Sharp and Chris Brosso, uh, their, their um, interviews is going to be dropping this week. And um, yeah, otherwise I'm going to be heads down uh, working on some courses. So anyway, I know we're over time, so we better get going. But anyway, good to see everybody. Good Take to care. see you, Bob. Take Bye-bye. care.